All right, Shabbosai, good morning. Let us, let us begin. Let's begin by thanking our sponsors. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Cheshvan, Mayor and Rachel Gold for dedicating all the Shurim and Joshua's this month in memory of Yona Tzvi, Ben Yosef Chaim Elazar Hakoin, our Talmud Torah sponsors, Noam and Leah Efron, in honor of and celebration of the 98th birthday of Noam's grandfather, Yosef Herschel Ben Mordechai Halevi, and our Day of Learning sponsor, Frank and Daniela Storch, in memory of Mrs. Hannah Storch, Zichron Lebracha, on the occasion of her first yard site. We open that in the merit of our Talmud Torah. All of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah, and the families a Nechama. With that, let us, let us begin. So today's daf, today's daf is daf Dalid. We have a great Gemara ahead of us today. We are picking up in Yerts Hashem. Okay, so much to do. We are picking up Emir Tzashem on Gimel Ahmed Bey's right at the bottom. Literally, literally again, the last phrase. Mas Kifler Rav Kahana. So Rav Kahana raised the kasha. Rav Kahana raised the kasha. He says, So also remember again, in yesterday's shir, we were dealing with the progression or the series of four different kings. Right? The kings we were dealing with was once again, well, the king we're focusing on right now is Dayavesh HaParsi. Right, Daryavish the Persian. Remember again, who is the son of Achashverosh and Esther, and the one who ultimately, under his watch, under his rulership, the Beis Hamikdash is rebuilt. So the Gemara was discussing the idea that apparently Daryavish Daryavish started out good. Right, he started out as a tzaddik, and then the lashon of the Gemara is Hichmitz. He turned chametz. He turned sour. He turns sour. Right? doesn't just have to mean chametz. Uh, Listen to turning into vinegar. Right? He turns sour. He turns sour. So the Gemara says, Is that true? That Daryavesh turned sour? The Gemara says, One second, But we learned in the Pasuk here, the Gemara quotes the top, top of Dalit. The Pasuk from Ezra, Uma Choshchan, Ubenei Turin, V'dichrin, V'imrin, La'alum, La'lokashmayo, Chantin, Melach, Chamar, Moshach, Kimamra, Kohana, Dibi, Yushalayim. Lohu, Misyahev, Lohem, Yom, Yom, Dai, Lo, Shalu. So the Gemara over here in, 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 in Navi Ezra seeks out the idea that Daryavesh ordered his quartermasters in Yerushalayim to give the Jews whatever they needed. Literally translated, give them oxen and sheep and wine and oil. Kimamar, Kanai, whatever the Kohanim say they need, give them. So we'll say that's a pretty generous gesture. So to say that now, again, I just want to point out, the Gemara is assuming that when did Daryavesh's change occur? His change occurred when Ezra went up to Yerushalayim. So the Gemara says that's clearly not the case. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, he's allowing for unlimited supplies for the Jews of Yerushalayim. We'll say, watch this sugya. Amr Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak said, Rabbi, mitunach. He said, Rabbi, Rabbi Kahana, I can answer you from your own bundle. De lahon mehakrivin nichusin lelo kashmaya umatzlin lechayi malka ubenohi. Look at what Daryavesh says in the next pasuk. In the very next pasuk says, and offer up all of these karbanos to your God. Why? So that the king and his sons will be saved from all misfortune. In other words, Daryavesh wasn't interested in the Jews. Daryavesh was interested in 
Daryavesh. Right? So even though, again, he's giving free-flowing supplies to the Jews of Yerushalayim, he's allowing for the stocking of the Beis HaMikdash. And he's saying, whatever the Kohanim need, give them. It wasn't because Daryavesh was a big fan of the Jews. It was because Daryavesh wanted the Jews to supplicate on his behalf. To which the Yomar said, listen to this. Uman da'avid haqid lav mal yusihi. So what? So what? See, he gave tzedakah. He gave tzedakah for his own benefit. Giving tzedakah, is there anything wrong with giving tzedakah for your own benefit? After Abba say a profound sugya, Vatanya we learned, Ha'omer selazu litzedakah bishol sheyichyebini. If a person says, I'm hereby giving this sela, this coin to tzedakah, on the condition, right, or for the purpose, that my son should live, or I'm giving tzedakah, so that I should have a portion in the world to come. What does the Gemara say? Such a person is an absolute tzaddik. So what is the Gemara showing? There's absolutely no problem with giving tzedakah with the intention of getting something in return. Person says, I'm giving tzedakah so my child should live. I'm giving tzedakah so that I should get a portion of Olam Haba. But I both say, the Gemara says, you're a tzaddik gummer. You're a tzaddik gummer. So both say, look at Rashi. I raise a tzaddik gummer. Im ragil bekach. If he's regular in this. Now, we'll have to see exactly what that phrase means in just a moment. So we'll say, so if that's the case, what, we'll say, by the way, th- th- this is such a profound Gemara because in general, we'll see Tosis in just a moment, in general, we do not paskin this way. In other words, not that we don't paskin this way, we don't adopt this theological approach. At the end of the day, we don't want people doing mitzvos in order to receive something in return, to which the Gemara says, Lokashya, kan bi Yisrael kan of de kochavim. We'll say, when is it okay to do a mitzvah with, in the, with the intention of getting something in return? That's for Jews. That's for Jews. But for Gentiles, for non-Jews, ultimately, again, we do not accept this approach. So we'll say, so, so therefore, again, before we get into this, so therefore, that for a Jew to do a mitzvah, to give tzedakah on the condition that his son will live, on the condition I'll get olam haba, that's acceptable. Not only is it acceptable, but what? He's a tzaddik gummer. But for a Gentile, for an Akum, this is an unacceptable theological approach. Therefore, again, Daryavesh is considered to be as if he was Hichmitz, even though he gave tzedakah, because he gave tzedakah in order to get something out of it. Now, what's this distinction between the Jew and the non-Jew? Take a look at Rashi. Kan bi Yisrael, shali because we assume that the Jew has his allegiance to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, v'im marian lo b'chayiv eno kari l'tagar. So also listen to this. See, what's the problem with doing mitzvahs with the intention of getting something? What's the problem? If you don't get it. If you don't get it. So what happens if you don't get what it is that you really wanted from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So for the Jew, we assume that if a Jew doesn't get what he wants, what's the theological response to not getting? This is a very important episode. What's the theological response in life to not getting what you want, right? Either A, I didn't deserve it, right? I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. Who's to say just because I ask for something doesn't mean that I have the requisite merit in order to get it. So sometimes the answer is no because I didn't deserve it. And sometimes the answer is no because it's not the right thing for me to have. So at the end of the day, to ask, to say, HaKadosh Baruch I'm doing this mitzvah, I'm giving this tzedakah in order that you give me something in return. That is an acceptable approach because if the answer is no, 
we are confident, I've also said this is very important, we are confident that the Jew possesses the theological sophistication, the spiritual sophistication to understand you don't get everything you ask for. That's just the way life works. And I have to be a big boy about that, even if at the end of the day I'm asking for something that's really, really important. Sometimes I don't get what I ask for, either because A, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Or B, because even though I think it's the right thing for me, it may not actually be the right thing for me. Back to Rashi. The Gemara assumes that the spirituality of a Gentile is much more fragile. And therefore, again, in the event that the Gentile serves HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the intention of receiving something and does not get that intended request, that that shatters the Gentile spirituality. And therefore, again, interestingly enough, from the Gemara's perspective, it is permitted for the Jew to give tzedakah. I'm, I'm using the word on a condition, but you understand, with a condition. Not, not that I'm taking it back if I don't get what I want, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, because I want something in return. Because we are confident in the strength of the Jew's theology that if you don't get it, your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is still intact. But as I take a look at Tosis for just a moment, Tosis writes, Tap Tosis, B'Shol Sheikh Yebini, V'hadis Nam Parakama De Meseches Avas, Al Tzukava De Hamisham Shnezrav, Al Menas Lakabal Pras, Shabbos said, what about the Mishnah and Avas? Antigonus, right? Opening Mishnah, it's not the, it's the third Mishnah in the first parak. Antigonus says, do not be like servants who worship the master for the condition of receiving reward. So what do you do with that? To which Tosas answers, Tosas essentially gives the same explanation of Rashi. Antigonus says, don't serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the purpose of receiving reward when the existence of your faith is predicated on receiving that reward. So that you can't do. Because then the problem is if I don't get what it is that I'm asking for, at the end of the day, that shatters my spirituality. So says Tosis, Antigonus, interestingly enough, was talking to the non-Jewish population. I guess the non-Jewish population of Rizpirkeavos, right? The non-Jewish population, right? Do not set up a theology like that because your theology is not strong enough to withstand not receiving that, that it is that you asked for. But for a Yid, for a Jew, we assume, can I ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for things? Can I give tzedakah with the intention of receiving something? Absolutely. And I will say, but what the Gemara is sensitizing us to is ask and ask and ask and ask for HaKadosh Baruch Hu has the capacity to grant everything. But if I don't get that which I am asking for, my relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to be strong enough that I recognize either AI didn't deserve it or he didn't want me to have it because it's not the right thing for me. So I will say, so this, so, so again, time, so this sugi, by the way, is so fascinating in and of itself. So much rabbinic literature about this idea of doing mitzvahs in order to get something in return. We don't have time for it now. But for our purposes, for the Gemara, for the Gemara, the Gemara saying, even though went ahead and gave all of this tzedakah, gave all of this money to the Beis Hamikdash, at the end of the day, it wasn't lishma. It wasn't just for the sake of doing a mitzvah or helping the Jews. It was so that he would get something out of it. Therefore, again, this act of tzedakah is not a raya against the fact that he did not turn sour later on in life. I'll just end with one piece. I'm going to end this piece. One piece. Rashi's, Rashi's statement is very strange. Right, Rashi's lashon is harizet tzadigamer. If you give tzedakah, right, if you give a sella, and you say on the condition 
ultimately, again, that my, that my son lives. So Rashi says, Gemara says, you're at Tzadik Gemara. Rashi says, Imragil Bakach, if you regularly do this. So what, what does that mean? So I'll share with you something amazing. The Divrei Chaim, the Sanz quotes from the Chosa of Lublin. And the Chosa of Lublin, I want to read this to you. He says, he says, first of all, he says, Rashi, Rashi is bothered by the idea how can you call such a person like this a tzaddik gummer? Oh, Zabosai, doesn't everyone agree that there's a higher level of giving staka? What's the higher level of giving staka? The higher level? Don't attach anything to it. <laughs> Just give it. See, you want to tell me a guy who goes ahead and gives tzedakah on the condition that his son will live is still a tzaddik. Good, fine. A tzaddik gummer? That's a tzaddik? No, it's not a tzaddik gummer. So Rashi's bothered by this idea, says the Chose of Lublin, that such a person is called a tzaddik gummer. So look what Rashi understands. Ella, I'm going to read to you. Bishul says the Chose of Lublin. This is an interpretation of Rashi. What does it mean when a father gives tzedakah and he says on the condition that my son will live? Hainu chius dikidusha. Shechiyusel tiyel chvot Hashem yizbarach. Says the Chosa of Lublin. What does the Gemara mean over here when it says that a father davens that his son should live? Says the Chosa, it is not referring to physical life. It is referring to spiritual life. That a father who davens for his son to be holy, a father who davens for his son to be inspired, a father who davens for his son to be a ben Torah, to be a Tamit Chacham, to be someone who has a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is called a Tzadik Gamar. But says Rashi, you're only a Tzadik Gamar if what? What was Lashon of Rashi? Emragil Bakach. Do you daven every day for the spiritual success of your children? Do you daven every single day for the spiritual success of your children? Do you do mitzvos every single day for the spiritual success of your children? It is so difficult to raise halakha children. It is so difficult to raise holy children, to raise inspired children, to raise children who follow in the ways of Yaakov, Saba, Kadisha. It is so difficult. And therefore says the Gemara, if this is your focus, and every single day you do mitzvos to go ahead and give zechuyos to your children to carry on in the way of spiritual life and yorogil bakach. You do it day in and day out. That's a tzaddik gomer. That's a tzaddik gomer. So, so again, the chos of Lublin being quoted by Divrei Chaim understands this in a little bit of a different way. Not speaking about the physical vitality of my child, but a parent who davens every single day, does mitzvahs every single day for the intention, I do a mitzvah, I'm doing this mitzvah, so that you should help my child along the correct path, harei zeh tzaddik gomer, which also teaches us such an incredible yisod about our responsibility as parents. Our responsibility as parents is not only to provide for the physical and material needs of our children, it's not only to go out and tell them about the things that they should be doing, but we have to daven for our children every day. And we have to do mitzvos in the zechus of our children. And when I give tzedakah, because the Gemara's example is tzedakah, to give the tzedakah and say, Baruch Hu, I'm giving this tzedakah, b'shvil she b'ni, because I want my children to be spiritually alive. The Gemara says, if you do that every single day, you do mitzvos for your kids, every single day, 
Let's go right there. Says the Gemara. Vibai Seima. The other possibility is how do we know? Minolo de Ichmitz. How do we know that Daryavesh, that Daryavesh soured later on in his life? So as I listen to this, Tirsev nid bochin di even golo tlasa, venid boch di achados, venafkasam in bais malka, tisyaiv. So as I listen to this, when Daryavesh commissioned the construction of the Beis Hamikdash, what he did was as follows. There were, there were three, three rows, um, yeah, rows, three rows of marble, one row of wood, right? That's how he constructed the walls, the edifice of the Beis Hamikdash. Three rows, three rows of marble, one row of wood. Why did Daryavesh insert a row of wood by every three rows of marble? So we'll say, listen to how wild this is. Savar, imardu be'yudai, eklai benura. Because Daryavesh said, if the Jews ever rebel against me, I want to put flammable material in their base Hamikdash so that I have the ability to destroy it. Which I will say, if you think about it, by the way, this is such an incredibly important yisod. Because, and this is also incredibly important for us who live in Galus, to recognize that what it means to live in Galus is that even when you are the beneficiaries of the good, of sometimes, again, the rulers of the countries in which we live, that good always comes with something. That good always comes with something. And that good is never pure, and that good is never fully altruistic, and that good always comes with some type of implosion button, right? Or some type of flammable material. It's so incredibly important because sometimes we become too comfortable, and sometimes we become too settled. And sometimes we think that, of course, of course, the nation in which we live has our back. And we always have to be careful because there might be many, many rows of beautiful stone. There's always that row of flammable wood that chas shalom could be ignited. But did Shlomo not do this? It was Shlomo also built the base in the same way. There were three rows, three rows of hewn stone and one row of wood, cedar wood. So the Gemara says, Shlomo avid milamala, viyu avid milamata. First of all, Shlomo put the wood up high, and Daryavesh put the wood down low. In other words, Shlomo only put a couple of rows of cedar wood, almost like as decoration towards the top of the structure. Ultimately, Daryavesh does it at the bottom of the structure. Why the bottom of the structure? Easily ignited. So the Gemara says, Shlomo shake biminyana. Shlomo went ahead and recessed the wood beams so that they were sunk into the walls. Daryavesh didn't recess them. Shlomo Furthermore, Shlomo covered the wood with plaster. And Daryavesh did not go ahead and cover the wood with plaster. So I'll say, so that the Gemara uses as a proof to the fact that Daryavesh's disposition, right, his spirituality, his holiness, soured at some point in his life. Another example. So, so for both sides, we have two different examples. So we're now moving on to our third example of how Daryavash went ahead and soured. So the Gemara says, how do you know that Daryavesh soured? From the following passing. So the king said to me, the king said to me, so this is Nehemiah, Vahashegel Yoshaves at slow. And the Shegel was sitting next. And so we'll say this goes back to the Pasak that we quoted in yesterday's daf, right? This is when this is when remember Nehemiah gave Daryavesh the report that Nehemiah received from his brother. Remember what was his brother's name from yesterday's daf? 
Hanani, right? And remember again, Hanani gave Nehemiah the report in Kislev. Nehemiah delivered the report again in Nisan. And this is where the king says, Dayavesh says to Nehemiah, go to Yerushalayim, right? Nehemiah asks if he can go. He says, go, just tell me when you're leaving, tell me when you're coming back. So the way the Pasuk starts is the king is sitting there and a Shegel Yoshavas Eslo, the Shegel was sitting next to him. My Shegel, what's a Shegel? A female dog. A female dog. Now, why was a female dog sitting next to Nehemiah? Look at Rashi. Apparently, apparently, Daryavesh was, was intimate with this dog. Engaged in bestiality with this dog. So remember again, even B'nai Noach, right? Part of the Shemitah B'nai Noach is a code of morality, and bestiality is Aser. So the Gemara says, So therefore, this is how you see that, that Daryavesh spiritually soured, the fact that he was engaging in relations with the dog. So the Gemara says, So the Gemara here quotes from the Prasik from Daniel. So the Gemara here is talking about King Belshazzar and talking about again how Belshazzar and his Shegel drank wine from the utensils of the Beis HaMikdash. So the Gemara says, if Shegel is a dog, Vishegel Kalbasa, he Kalbasa Bas Meshasya Chamrahi, does a dog drink wine from a cup? In other words, it doesn't make sense. To which the Gemara says, Halo Kashya, yeah, you could train a dog to do anything, right? So you could train a dog to drink wine from a cup. So therefore, again, it could be that Belshazzar disparaged and demeaned the utensils of the Beis HaMikdash so intensely that quite literally he trained his dog to drink wine from the cups of the Beis HaMikdash. I'll bring another Pasek. First wide line. Binos Malachim Bikarasech Nitzvah. So also here the Gemara is quoting from the Pasek in Tehillim. Binos Malachim Bikarasech Nitzvah Shegel Liamincha Bekeser Ofim. So we'll say literally it says, the daughters of kings will be exalted by you. Nitzvah Shegel Minecha, the Shegel is to your right and is adorned with a keser or fear, a, 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 a crown, a crown of the jewel of Ophir. So the Gemara says, This passage is actually referring to the Messianic era and is exalting Klal Yisrael. If Shegel is a dog, why is that here in the Pasuk which describes the Messianic era? So the Gemara says, This is what it means to say. This is what the Pasuk means to say. Because Torah is beloved to the Jewish people as immorality is to the nations of the world. Ultimately, again, we are privileged to get the crown of the jewel of Ophir. So I will say, see, interestingly enough, the Gemara is still saying Shegel means a dog. Shegel means a dog. And the comparison is like this, that essentially, just like, just like, the nations of the world are so attached to, to immorality, like a dog follows its owner, like a dog follows its owner, so too Klal Yisrael is so attached to Torah, like a dog 
follows its owner. Which I will say something very interesting. The Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, so quoted, goes to this idea, why, why, does, why, why is it compared to a dog? See, interestingly, the Baal Shem Tov says something so beautiful. He says that there is something about the relationship between a dog and his master. Right? There is a connection that is there. He is kasha. The dog is nikshar. The dog is connected to this master. And the dog, the, the nature of that relationship is, it is, it's interesting, that it's almost an unquestioned relationship. Right? It's a relationship that endures. So the goal, it's actually quite beautiful, the goal in our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch in relationship with Torah, is to create the kind of relationship almost that a dog has with his master. That incredible, unbreakable strength of a bond that is there not just when times are good and not just when times are easy, but ultimately, again, that relationship that is intact in all life circumstances. I will say, isn't this the hardest part of Ruchnius? Right? Isn't this the hardest part? Because inevitably, like in all life relationships, we have peaks and valleys. You know, it's interesting. So also, Bashan Dalakadosh says, Kishim, when we say to a little boy when he's born at his bris, Kishim Shinichnas Labris, Kenyikanis Latora, Ulachopa, Ulamaisim Tovin. So everyone wonder what, first of all, I hope that's not true. Right? Kishim Shinichnas Labris, the same way you sat here at the bris, so too should be your Chopa, your Torah, your Maisin. I don't know. I could. Think of better things to compare it to, right? Lamaisa the bris is a painful experience, right? To the baby. So what what does that mean? So the Vashanda says something so beautiful. A bris is part of who you are, right? It's not the pshat. You know what? Today, I don't feel like being circumcised. I just I'm not feeling the whole bris thing today, right? I just don't feel like a bris guy today. Whether, whether you feel it or you don't feel it, it's part of who you are. So what do we say to a little boy when he comes into the covenant of Avram Avinu? Kishem shenichnas lebris. The same way you enter into bris, that it's part of you, can you cut the Torah? Torah, it can't be. It can't be. Today I'm in the mood. Tomorrow I'm not in the mood. It's part of me. It's part of me. So if it's part of me, mood is irrelevant. Torah is something I do. Torah is something I live Torah is something I learn. I'm rested. I'm not rested. I'm happy. I'm not happy. In a good place. Not in a good place. It doesn't matter. The same way that it doesn't matter how I feel. I'm still circumcised. Torah has to be part of me as well. Chuppah. Well said, do you know what the key to successful marriage is? I have no idea. But, (laughs) but, what I will tell you is as follows. Is that you have to be a thousand percent vested. I'm in. I'm in. It's part of who I am. Do you know what the greatest problem of shalom bias is? Is people often enter into relationships and they don't have both feet in. They just don't have both feet in. I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm just not sure. And you'd be surprised how many people are decades into their marriage and are still unsure. You want a successful relationship? It's got to be part of you. I'm in. I'm in. We had a fight today. We didn't have a fight today. Whatever it is, whatever it is, we're going to work it through. We're going to work it through. This marriage is part of who I am. My Sintovim. It can't be. Some days I'm a good guy. Some days I'm not a good guy. Some days I do the right thing. Some days I don't do the right thing. It's got to be part of who I am. And isn't that the secret to Ruchnius? Kishem shenichnas labris kenyikanis latorah lechopah lamay simtovim. The Gemara says the same way that the, 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 the Arayas follows the Muslim around like a dog. So we have a connection with Torah that Kaddish Baruch Hu, like the dog has with his master. Let's go back to Vibay Seima. The other possibility is, really have to focus on the Gemara today. Vibay Seima. 
Liolam Shegel Malkisa. In reality, Shegel is a queen. Shegel doesn't mean a dog. Shegel means a queen. So the Gemara says, V'raba bar leima gemara gamrila, v'amai karle shegel, shaysa chaviva alav ki shegel. So I will say, so Shegel means a queen. But what it means is, Daryavish, his queen, was a dog. Now I will say, again, that's, that, that's not a commentary on a human being, right? That's literally saying, he took a dog as his queen. He took a dog as his queen. So the Gemara says, So why does it call the dog a queen? Because he loved this dog as much as one would love a queen. Or he sat the dog next to him, just like a king would seat a queen next to him. So I will say, so this is another proof to the fact that Daryavesh suffered this spiritual setback. The possibility is, how do you know that Daryavesh suffered a setback? So listen to this. So the Gemara over here is quoting the Pasuk that talks about how much Daryavesh allowed for the Beis HaMikdash. Now, in truth, there are two Pesukim. First Pasuk says, Daryavesh says like we saw before, give as much as you want. Whatever the Jews need, give them. Second Pasuk gives amounts. The Gemara assumes the fact that in the second follow-up Pasuk, Daryavesh caps the amount which can be given to the Jews indicates that what? He had a change of heart. To which the Gemara says, In the beginning, he gave without restraint, and now he's putting a cap. So we'll say the Gemara uses this as a proof that obviously he suffered some type of setback. So we'll say, that's not necessarily true. The Gemara rejects this one. That's not true. It could be in the beginning he said, give them whatever they want because he didn't know how much they needed. As the project became more defined, he knew how much they needed and therefore ordered his quartermasters to give that much. But the fact that he put a cap on it or put a mount on it doesn't mean that he loved the Jews any less. To which the Gemara says, you're right, let's reject that one. Ella. We have three different possibilities to highlight the spiritual decline of Daryavesh, but one thing is clear, which is, although he started out good, something happened with Daryavesh that ultimately changed his spiritual disposition. Incredible. So let's go back there. So I'll say now, we've closed out Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. We first closed out the first phrase of the Mishnah. Right? That ultimately, again, and remember again, Nisan, the first thing that Nisan is a Rosh Hashanah for is for kings. So first of all, we've established is for what kind of kings is Nisan Rosh Hashanah? Jewish. Jewish kings. Or, or who alternatively, who else? Gentile kings who are Ksherim. That's the other possibility. Good. Next, that Nisan is the Rosh Hashanah for Regalim. So the Gemara says, okay, Regalim, what are you talking about? There is no Yom Tiv on the first of Nisan. Right? The Yom Tiv in Nisan is on the 15th of Nisan. It's Pesach. So what do you mean when you say that Nisan is the Rosh Hashanah for Regalim? Amrav Chista, Regal Shabo Rosh Hashanah Regalim. What it means is Nisan has the month which is the Rosh Hashanah for Regalim. So boss, it's very important. The Mark clarifies this. It does not mean that the first of Nisan is the Rosh Hashanah for Regalim. Rather, what does it mean? Pesach. The Yom Tiv which occurs in Nisan is the Rosh Hashanah for Regalim. Now, both say, what does that mean, Rosh Hashanah for Regalim? Listen to this, Nafkumino, Leno der Lamekel Ma'alei Baltacher. Both say, we actually saw this before in Meseches Sukkah. So, I'm sorry, Meseches Beya. So, very exciting, very exciting Chazar. Actually, I think we saw it in Sukkah also. I will say, the Aloha is, 
if you go ahead and you have an obligation upon you, there is a mitzvah to fulfill your obligation in a timely manner. If you don't fulfill it in a timely manner, you are in violation of the prohibition of bal ta'acher. Do not delay. So I say, interestingly enough, we have to know, so, so the, the significance of Pesach being the Rosh Hashanah for Regalim is to allow me to understand when I would be in violation of Baal Ta'acher. Watch this, Rabbi Here we go. For Rabbi Shimon, he, and this reflects the view of Rabbi Shimon, this Sanya, Echad Hanodr, Ve'echad HaMakdish, Ve'echad HaMarich, whether you make a Nader, or whether you're Makdish something, or whether you make an Erech vow. So Rabbi Shimon, these, these are all voluntary offerings. Kevan Sha'avra Lav Gimor Regalim over Bebal Ta'acher. Once three regalim go by and you have not honored your commitment, you are in violation of delaying. Bal ta'acher. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, Gimel, so we'll say that's the Tanakhama. Rabbi Shimon says, Gimel regalim kisidran v'chag hamatzos t'chila. Rabbi Shimon says as follows, you're only in violation of bal ta'acher. Yes, when you pass three regalim, but it's got to be three regalim in what? In what? In order. In order. So it's a Pesach, a Shabuos and the Sukkis. Therefore, again, the Chagamatz was Tchila. The Chenir of Shimon Ben Yochai Omer, Shimon Yochai said, "Regalim Pamim Gimel Pamim." I'm sorry, Pamim Gimel Pamim Dalit Pamim Chamisha. So I will say sometimes when you make a particular neder, you could have three regalim, four regalim, or even five regalim before you're in violation of Baal Ta'acher. How so? Nadar Lifnei Pesach Gimel. We'll say, for example, if you made a neder right before Pesach. So you have how long? How long to honor the neder? Three. Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkis. But, Lifneat Saras. What happens if you went ahead and you made your neder before Shavuot? So what happens if you make your neder before Shavuot? So how many regalim do you have? Shavuot, Sukkis. But then the clock doesn't start until Pesach. Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkis. You have five regalim. So we'll say, the difference over here is, is Rabbi Shomba Yochai, we'll see this in just a moment again. Rabbi Shomba Yochai says, it's not just three regalim that you have. It's three regalim in the order of the regalim until you are in violation of Baal Ta'achar. So we'll say, let's see this in greater depth. So turn Rabbanon, Chai Vehadamin, people who are Chayiv, Bosar Damin means, Rashi says, a person who makes a neder, Dami Alai, my value, I pledge the Beis HaMikdash. Or Erchen, Charamin, Hekdeshos. Right, Bosar, these are all different types of vows. Chatos Vashamos, or not vows, Chatos, an Asham, an Ola, a Shlomim, Tzedakos, I pledge Tzedaka, Maestros, Bechar, Maeser, Upesach. So we'll say, these are all different obligations. So you have a mixture over here. You have some voluntary items, some obligatory items. On the base, Leket, Shechacha, Upea. So we'll say again, these are different types. Or I should say different agricultural gifts. Right? Leket, Shechacha, Pea, Pea is the corner. Leket, you drop a stalk. Shechacha, you leave behind the bundle. Kevan she'avru alein shlosha regalim. Shabbos say, here's what's interesting. We've now expanded the scope over here. It's not just by a voluntary offering. Any obligation you have, right, whether it's voluntary or obligatory, you must satisfy that obligation in a timely manner. What is considered to be a timely manner? Kevan she'avru alein shlosha regalim. You have three regalim. And once you don't honor that obligation of three regalim, over bebal ta'acher. You are in violation of Baal Ta'acher. So we'll say now we're going to go through a series of one, two, three, four, five different opinions as to what Baal Ta'acher means. Here we go. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, Shlosha Regalim Kisidran. Rabbi Shimon Lil says, now we'll say, so the Tanakhama says, 
three regalim, but not in order. Not in order, right? You don't have to go in order. Rabbi Shimon says, Shlosha regalim kisidran. Rabbi Shimon says, three regalim in order. In order. Which Rabbi says, Rabbi Shimon, we just saw before, Pesach Shavuot Sukkis, which means that sometimes you can have more than three regalim until you go ahead in violation. The Chag HaMatzos And the first, the first regal, so we'll say, it's three sorry, The Tanakama's holding, Tanakama's holding the Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, you need three regalim, but the three regalim need not occur in order. Rabbi Shimon's saying the three regalim has to have to occur in order. Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkot. So therefore, effectively, the clock doesn't start until Pesach. Until Pesach, Rabbi Meir or Meir says, "Kevan she'avra leim regal echad over baltaka." So we'll say, watch this. We go from the most lenient to the most machmir. So you have Rabbi Shimon Yochai who says. You're only in violation of Balta'akar when you go through three regalim with Pesach being the first. Pesach being the first. Remember, in Hoshobah Yochai's Man Al-Bosai, what's the maximum amount of time you can have until you have an obligation to fulfill your obligation? Five regalim. Rabbi Meir says, one regal. As soon as you pass by one regal, right, and you have not honored your obligations, you're in violation of Balta'akar. And Al-Bosai, Rabbi Meir, it doesn't even matter what, which regal, whatever regal it is. Next, Rabbi Elazar ben Yaakov Omer, Kevan Shavar Leim Shnei Regalim over Baltacher. Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says, Two Regalim, you have two Regalim to fulfill your obligations. Once two Regalim pass, you are in violation of Baltacher. Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon Omer, Kevan Shavar Leim Chag Hasukos over Leim Baltacher. What's that very interesting? Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon says, Sukis. Sukis is the trigger for Baltacher. One sukkah passes and you have not honored your obligations, you're in violation of Baltacher. So we'll say, so now these are our, it's really six opinions, right? It's the Tanakama, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi, oh, I'm sorry, five, and, and Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Shimon. Right? So these are the five opinions as to how you violate Baltacher. And I will say, now we're going to go through and show the proof or the source for each opinion. My time of the Tanakama. What's the reason of Tanakama? So remember again, what does Tanakama hold? Let's review, quick review, Tanakama. Three regalim, but no specific order. So whenever you make your nedra, the clock starts, and you have three regalim to fulfill your obligation. So my time in Tanakamo, so michti, minayhu salik, lama li lemehadar, umichtiv, bechagamazos, bechagasukos, ubechagashavuos. I'm going to say, listen to this. So the Tanakamo says like this The Torah is already speaking about the three regalim. Right? So the Torah is already speaking about the three regalim. When it talks about the obligation or the prohibition of Baal Ta'acher, why does the Torah, if it's already speaking about the three regalim, why the need to restate the three regalim again? Chagamatos, Chagashavos, Chagasukos. Shmamina, Lebal Ta'acher. To teach us to restate the regalim for the purposes of Baal Ta'acher. And to teach me that Halacha Lemaisa, I am in violation of Baal Ta'acher. If what? if I allow three regalim to elapse without honoring my commitments. And again, the order of those regalim is inconsequential, but you have three regalim. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, Rabbi Shimon, on the other hand, says, the Torah did not need to mention Chag Why? Because the yomtiv in which the discussion about Ta'achar occurs is actually in the section of the yomtiv of Sukkis. La, so the Gemara says, So why do you have to mention Sukkis again? Lomar to teach me 
that in the Baal Ta'achar continuum, Sukkis is the last yamtiv. So in other words, you're only in violation of Baal Ta'achar of what? Pesach, Shavuos, Sukkis. It has to go in order. Rabbi Meir, my time. What's Rabbi Meir's logic? Remember again, Rabbi Meir says, even one, one regal. Right? Even if one regular lapses and you have not gone ahead and honored your commitments, you are in violation of Baal Ta'achar. Why does Rabbi Meir say this? My time. Dixiv ubasa shama sem shama. Because the Basak says, you will come there, you will come there. Now you will come there refers to what? Ali al-Regel. You'll come there for Yamtiv and Vevesim Shaman. You have to bring your stuff. So from that, Rabbi Meir says, as soon as you have an obligation to come to Yerushalayim, i.e. one Regel, and you don't bring your stuff, you are in violation of Balta Acher. So I will say, what did the Rabbanon, what does the Tanakam do with that? That's Rabbanon. Hahu la'asei. That comes to go ahead and teach you a positive commandment of Ali al-Regal. So Rabbi Meir, Kevan da Amr lei, Rachmana aisi velo aisi, memela kamle babalta acher. Rabbi Meir will say, once the Torah tells you to bring your stuff, and your stuff means all of your pledged and obligatory items, and you don't bring it, by definition, you are in violation of Baal Ta'achar. Fine. Rabbi Lezbar Yaakov, what's the Rabbi Yaakov? Rabbi Lezbar Yaakov, what was his opinion? Remember again, what was his opinion? Turagalim. Turagalim. After the passage of Turagalim, you are in violation of Baal Ta'achar. My timer, what's his logic? Tichsev, Eila Ta'asu Lashem B'mo'adechem. These are the things you should do to HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'mo'adechem. On your Yamim Tovim, plural. Miut Mo'adim Shnaim. And I will say the minimum definition of Mo'adim is what? Is two. So from here, Rabbi Eliezer says, this is what you should do for Hashem on your Mo'adim, on your Yom Tovim, teaches me, I have to honor my commitments to HaKadosh Baruch Hu over the course of two Yom Tovim. Meaning I'm not in violation of Baal Ta'achar until two Yom Tovim elapse. The Rabbanon, the Rabbanon will say, Ha'hu l'chid Rabbi Yonah. This comes to reflect the view of Rabbi Yonah. Dom Rabbi Yonah, all of the Yomim Tovim are compared to one another to teach me that what? Did I say part of the offerings on Yom Tiv? Ultimately, again, they, so the, the Torah is comparing Yom Tovim to each other to teach me that all of the Yom Tovim have the ability to atone for the inadvertent, inadvertent entry into the base of Mikdash in a state of Tumah, or consumption of sacrificial items in a state of Tumah. Good. Rabbi Lezor Shimon, my time, I will say, Rabbi Lezor Shimon, what does Rabbi Lezor Shimon says? He says, Sukkis. Once Sukkis passes, right, once Sukkis passes, ultimately you're in violation of Baal Ta'achar. So where does he get that from? My time, the Sandra Rabbi Lezor Shimon Omer, Lo Yomer Chaga Sukos, Shebo Dibarakosov, the Torah did not need to restate Chag HaSukos because that's the yamtiv in which this entire discussion is occurring. Lama Neamar, so why is Sukkis stated? Lomar Shezeh Gorim, to teach me that ultimately what? That Allah Chalamaisa, it is the passage of the yamtiv of Sukkis which triggers the violation of Baal Ta'achar. To which the Gemara says, Hai Rabbi Eliezer, Ben Yaakov, Hai Chag Hai, what does he do with that extra phrase where the Torah once again speaks out to Regalim? This teaches us he'll say that phrase comes to teach me something different. What does it do? It comes to compare Shavuos to Pesach. To teach me, I'm sorry, right, to teach me what? 
just like Pesach has Tashlumen. So the Gemara says, it comes to compare Shavuos to Pesach. How so? We learn this halacha. You're supposed to bring your carbon chagiga when? When? First day of Pesach. What happens if you didn't bring your Shalmei Chagiga first day of Pesach? What, what can you do? You have all seven days. Just like Pesach has seven days to make up the Shalmei Chagiga, so too does Shavuos. Now, both say, what's the novelty in that ruling? Because how long is the of Shavuos? One day. Right? But just like Pesach has seven days of makeup, so too Shavuos has seven days of makeup as well. That's why the Torah is restating to compare Shavuos to Pesach. So ma ma chagamatzos yeshol tashlum and kol shiva av chagashavos yeshol tashlum and kol shiva. I the gemara said one second. The lekish lechagasukos. I even better. Why don't you compare? Why don't you compare shvuos to sukkis? Because sukkis is even better. Why sukkis better than pesach? Because you're saying malalan shmona av kan shmona. Because remember, what happens if you don't bring your shalmi chagiga on the first day of sukkis? You say you don't have seven days. How long do you have? Eight days. You can even make up your Shami Chagiga of Sukkis on Shemini Atzeres. To which the Gemara says, no, that's not a fair comparison because Shemini regal bifne atzmo. Shemini Atzeres is its own yamtiv. To which the Gemara says, you're right. But Amar da'amrin on Shemini regal bifne atzmo, lilyan pizar kishav, ah, little chazara. We'll say we know Shemini Atzeres is a yamtiv bifne atzmo, ultimately again, for the purposes of pizar kishav. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So we'll say Rashi points out over here. Rashi points out different. What is Pizar Keshav? We learned this already. Look at Rashi. Let's just look at it. Pizar Keshav. Kevar Perashi Mesechas Yuma. U Mesechas Sukkah. So we'll say the pay is pious. There's a lottery. A new lottery for who's going to do the Aboda on Shmini Atzeres. The Parah Abba B'Shmini. Be'er Karlof Yisadem Shmoro Shashanu. Ushishi Abar Good. Sigmar says Keshav. Skip down a little bit. Right? Keshav is Karban. Ultimately, again, it has its own unique carbon. Reish, he goes on, he says over here, uh, yeah, let's find it in Rashi. Good. Rashi says, it's its own yamtiv. It's its own yamtiv. Actually, I don't want to rush over this. We'll stop over here with Pizak Shah. I just want to tell you where we're ending off. We're ending off over here, Bose, is a five way machlokes. Five way machlokes. Ultimately, again, in the duration of Baal Ta'acher. Everyone agrees conceptually this comes to Baal Ta'acher. Of course, it's, a mitzvah, it's in the Torah. You cannot delay bringing your voluntary and sacrificial obligations. Five-way machlokes as to when the prohibition of Baal Ta'acher is triggered. What this last piece, Rabbi, says something very specific, right? This last piece is going in accordance with the opinion of Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon, right? Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon holds that Allah Chalamaisa, all you need is the passage of Sukkis in order to trigger Baal Ta'acher. If that's the case, what does Rabbi Lezer Shimon do with the Pasuk of Bechag HaMatzos, Bechag HaShavuos, or Bechag HaSukos? Rabbi Shimon uses that to teach me that Shavuos is like Pesach, namely, just like Pesach has seven days of Tashlumen for the Chagiga, so too Shavuos has seven days of Tashlumen for the Chagiga. What the Gemara is now focusing on is why are you comparing Shavuos to Pesach, which only gives you seven days. 
Compare it to Sukkis, which gives you eight days. That emirates Hashem will deal with tomorrow. Shkoyach.